Good morning. Thank you so much for joining us online today. We're excited about what God's doing at the Gate Church. You know, it's uh, it's an adventure to live in Oklahoma. You never know what the weather's going to do. I tell my friends that live in other states, um, watching the weather for us Oklahomans is kind of like a sport. You know, we we, we kind of we've got blizzards or tornadoes, and the weathermen are so entertaining. But uh, we know that we've learned in 2020 that. No matter what our circumstances are, we're going to find ways to make sure that we are the church, that we live as the church, that we live as God's people. And and I want to thank you for your giving this morning, because gathering together and giving is an essential part of what it means for us to be God's people. And so even though we're not able to gather in person today, I'm so grateful that you're gathering with us online. And I know God has a word for us this morning. So if you've been with us at the Gate Church, the last two weeks we've had uh, guests, friends of our house to speak, and they've been speaking to us out of 2 Kings chapter 4. I don't think that they planned or they certainly didn't talk about doing that, but I'm going to continue to just minister to us out of 2 Kings 4 today. So if you have your family with you in your living room, wherever you're watching from, just get your family together. Let's read the Word of God together. Let's listen to what God's saying to us as we look at God's Word. 2 Kings chapter 4 and verse number 4. The prophet Elisha is talking to the widow, and he's giving her her strategy for a miracle that God's going to bring. And this is what he says. Verse number four, when you've come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons. Then pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured it out. Two times the passage tells us that she shut the door behind her. And the title of my message this morning for us is this. We're going to talk about restriction, the birthplace of the miraculous. Restriction, the birthplace of the miraculous. Let's ask God to speak to us. Father, we thank you for your people, and we ask you in these next few minutes that you would make your word come alive to us. Lord, we pray that your spirit in every home that's watching and listening right now, that you'd be breathing and speaking and moving among us. And Lord, as I give voice to your word today, I pray that it would come alive in people and that it would bear fruit in our lives. And we give you the thanks and the praise for it in Jesus' name. You know, last week, we learned that when God wants to give us a miracle, he gives us a strategy. Pastor David Briggs mentioned that. And, um, you know, anytime in Jesus's ministry, he oftentimes would tell people to do something. There was one simple act of obedience that connected them to the miracle. Maybe it was to wash in a river, let him put mud on their eyes. Or in the Old Testament, these prophets, Elijah and Elisha, would give instructions to people. They'd give them a strategy. And so a lot of times we're asking for a miracle And God gives us a strategy. And if you're not willing to obey the strategy without a full understanding of how things are going to play out, sometimes you'll miss out on your miracle. But as I was meditating this week, I felt the Lord just began to speak to me that we have to also realize 
that not only does God give us a strategy when he wants to get us a miracle, but God often reveals his strategy in places of restriction. God often reveals his strategy in places of restriction. Now, this is important because as a nation, in fact, as a global community, we've been living almost the last 12 months now in various forms of restriction. And, and for those of us in America, our culture tells us that, you know, when you find yourself in a place of restriction, what you need to do is figure out the fastest way to get out of that place of restriction. And I'll, I'll be the first one to say that that's my response. I don't love restriction. I don't enjoy it. When I find myself in a restricted place, I look for a way to bring that restriction to an end. But if we read the stories in the Bible, we find that God often allows people to come into restriction and limitation so that he can do what he wants to do in their lives and give them the strategies that they need. God's strategies often begin with restriction, not with expansion and liberation. And so we're people in our culture, even in our church culture, we love to talk about liberty. We love to talk about freedom. We love to talk about expansion. We love to talk about, you know, breaking limits. But I want to say to you that all of that is wonderful. It's all part of God's purpose. But oftentimes the way that God gets us there is by putting us under restriction. You know, um, they, they say that when they're training uh, champion racehorses, you know, uh, that, that, that in order for a, a horse to be really exceptional, it has to embrace extreme restriction. It has restrictions in its diet. It has restrictions in its physical training. It has restrictions in its vision. And those of you that are familiar with horses, and so there's a principle there that restriction and limitation, if we learn how to embrace them and not have a cultural response to them. So listen, let me make this practical. As much as anybody, I want the kinds of things that are restricting us and limiting us in our lifestyles and in our lives to come to an end. But here's what I want more than that. I want to make sure that whatever God's purposes are for me and for the gate church in this season of restriction, we've been in a season where we're restricted in how we can gather. We're restricted this weekend because of the weather. We've been restricted because of a pandemic. There's lots of restrictions that are in our lives. And I think that the, 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 the mature thing to do and the way to respond to that is not just to say, God, get me out of this as fast as I can. But I think the mature thing to do is say, God, what's your purpose in this season of restriction in my life so that when I get out of it, I'm a different kind of person. God has accomplished something in me so that I'm better prepared to enter into my future. And so I want to take you through scripture this morning and show you several ways that that sort of manifests itself in the way that God works. So it's one of the great paradoxes of Scripture, and you may want to write these things down, but this is how the Lord spoke to me. I'm going to give you just a few phrases here. The limitless God loves to reveal himself in environments of limitation. 
So we have a limitless God. He is unlimited in his ability, in his power, in the way that he does. But it's, it's, it's one of the paradoxes that he loves to reveal himself in environments of limitation. Listen to this. The unrestricted God thrives in the midst of restricted places. And the boundless God encounters us in the midst of our boundaries or our boundaried circumstances. And so in our text this morning and for the last couple of weeks, uh, we found this widow and the instruction for her was to take what she had in her house. And what a prophetic word for the Gate Church that in your house and in our corporate house, there is oil in our house. And the oil that we have in our house is enough for what we need for this season and for our future. And so you, one thing you can always know about God is that, is that God, I heard, I heard somebody recently say it like this, uh, this is a poker analogy, but God can win with a pair of twos because God is so creative that whatever hand God is dealt, he always has the ability to turn that into a winning hand. So even if you found yourself in circumstances of your life that you know God didn't create, we've all found ourselves in circumstances that, you know, I didn't know God didn't do this. I probably did this to myself. Even when you find yourself in situations like that, if you put those cards in God's hands, it may look like it, the odds are stacked against him. He'll find a way to turn that into a victory for you. So the widow, is she's lost her husband. She's in debt. She has nothing to work with, but all she has is a jar of oil. And then God's instruction is to take what you have into a restricted place. So she goes in and she shuts the door. And the implication of the text is that there's not a lot of room here because the sons are bringing new jars. She's filling up jars. She's having to move the jars she filled to make room for the new jars. She's in a restricted place. But even when you find yourself in a place of restriction, if you'll follow the divine strategy, you'll get yourself into a miracle. Can you say amen to that? So the widow uh, in, in 2 Kings chapter 4, just following this passage, there's a widow with a son who was a miracle son that was the result of Elisha's prophetic word. Her son dies in the field. She does the same thing with her son that the widow we're reading about does with the oil, and that is when they bring her son to her, the Bible says that her son died in her lap. And she took her son up into the upper room that she had built for the prophet, and she shut the door. She goes and gets the prophet. The prophet comes back, and the Bible tells us that he goes into the room, and he shuts the door. So there's something about our willingness to enter into and embrace restriction that positions us to experience the miraculous. So what I want to tell you this morning is that restriction is the birthplace of the miraculous. And if we don't have a kingdom mindset about the restrictions in our life, then we'll 
inadvertently miss the miraculous. And it's possible that all through 2020, and it's possible that in this season right now, we're so frustrated and we're so distracted by the, the, the restrictions on our life that we're not paying attention to the strategies that God has to bring us miraculously into the future that he has for us. So um, not only do we find these widows entering into restricted places, but I'm just going to pluck a few references out of the whole of Scripture for you. Uh, you. You may remember some of this language. You may eat of every tree in the garden, just don't eat of that tree. How many of you know that even in paradise, God said, you're going to, watch this, God said to humanity, you're going to flourish more with restriction than you are without restriction. A lot of times we think that the way that we're going to flourish is if we can get free from restriction. But God said to Adam and Eve, before they sinned, before the fall, the best environment for you is an environment that, that has restrictions that I placed on you. Now let me give you some wisdom. You don't have to live under the restrictions that man places on you. That can bring you bondage. But if you have discernment to understand this is a restriction that God has placed on me, then that won't lead to less flourishing. It will lead to more flourishing. You know, we find Daniel in the lion's den in a place of restriction, but God miraculously delivers him out of a place of restriction. You know, it's funny how much uh, percentage and proportion of all the Old Testament stories that we find people in prison. And God's always meeting people in prison. Prison is a restricted place. So whether it's Joseph in prison, whether it's the Apostle Paul in prison, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, lots of people in prison, but guess what happens in prison? They have encounters with the living God. Strategies are released. The three Hebrew boys find themselves in a fiery furnace. That's a restricted place. But it's in the place of restriction that they find the fourth man. And so um, in, in the big picture in the story of Israel, God tells Jeremiah, he says, Jeremiah, I'm going to reform Israel. And this famous passage that we have, God's frustrated with Israel. It's been years and years and years of Israel disregarding God's commandments, disobeying God, not being who God called them to be. And listen to me. He says, I know the plans that I have for you to give you a future and a hope. But oftentimes we just quote that verse and think, well, God wants to bring me into a great future. But this is what God said. In order for me to get you into that future, I'm going to have to take you to a place of restriction. And so he tells Jeremiah, I'm going to take them into exile, into Babylon, and that's going to be a place of restriction and captivity, but it's in the environment of restriction that I'm going to be able to reform them so that they can be who I've called them to be. I have a question for you this morning, Gate Church. Could it be that God has allowed us to come into an environment of restriction because he wants to reform us into the people he's called us to be so that when we step out of restriction, we don't just say, man, that was a terrible year, or man, that was a terrible season, but we say, man, that wasn't just a season of restriction, that was a season of transformation for me. I'm a new person now. I've entered into the, the fullness of who God's called me to be. So when God determines that we need reforming, he takes us into the operating room 
of restriction. That's where he does deep business with us. Now, if we want to look at Scripture and restriction, and we want to learn the truth about restriction, we've got to be faithful to look at Jesus. So I want you just to look at your people that are watching with you right now and say, let's look at Jesus. So you remember the story when Jesus comes and where do we find Jesus before he's born? He's just kind of tossing around in Mary's womb. And what do we read? There was no room for him in the end. So Jesus shows up in the gospels in a place of restriction. There's not enough room for him in the end. Then he gets birth through Mary's womb, and they wrap him in swaddling clothes, and they lay him in a manger. So he begins his life in a place of restriction. Watch this. So he entered into a season of restriction so that what was prophetically promised about him could be birthed through him. So Matthew tells us that when they said there was no room for him in the end, this was to fulfill what was prophesied. How many of you know sometimes the prophetic things that you have spoken over your life can't be fulfilled until you embrace a season of restriction? So here's Jesus. He embraces the season of restriction and I don't have time to tell you uh, all the different ways that we can see this in the life of Jesus, but you know, Jesus launches his ministry, and I'll just tell you some of the really good things that Jesus did. The Bible says, you know how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth so that he went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. So Jesus goes about healing the sick, he preaches the good news, he cleanses the lepers, he cast out the evil spirits, he raises the dead, he multiplies the food, and, and he moves about freely doing all these good works. And so we watch Jesus for three years, he's doing good things. How many of you know if Jesus is doing something in your life, it's a good thing? It may not feel good, it may not, you may not understand it, but if Jesus is doing it, it's a good thing. But what struck me this week as I was studying is that Jesus moved about doing ministry freely, but when he got ready to do his greatest work, he said, I can't do the greatest work that I have to do until I get into the greatest place of restriction. And so at the end of his life, he stretches his arms out on a cross and he has his na hands nailed to a cross, his feet nailed to a cross, and from the place of greatest restriction, from the place that Jesus couldn't move, couldn't do what he wanted to do, was completely and 100% restricted, he released the greatest blessing he's ever released and then, watch this, watch this, I'm trying, watch this, he goes from the cross, the place of restriction, he releases the salvation and forgiveness for all of mankind from the cross, and then they lay him in a tomb. And just like the beginning of his life, he's wrapped in clothes in a tomb in a restricted place, and God's perspective is, now I've got you exactly where I need you in order to release the greatest blessing I can release through you. And on Sunday morning, he rose from the dead, 
broke free. But watch this. When Jesus breaks free from the restriction that he had been in, he doesn't break free as the same person he was when he went into the place of restriction. Now he's the resurrected Christ. He's the risen Lord. He's the risen Savior. He's showing up in buildings. He's walking through walls. He's showing his scars. He's not the same person. And child of God, I want to tell you this morning, if you found yourself in a place of restriction, what I can tell you on the authority of God's word this morning is that God wants to transform you in the midst of your restriction and release you into your future as a completely new and different person. And so um, we find that the restriction of the cross and the restriction of the tomb lead to God's greatest blessing. And I want to tell you that when you find yourself in a season of restriction, and I know that I could get you to hit, you know, reminds me of Bishop, you know, hit those heart buttons real quick right now, right? You remember Bishop used to say that. But if you find yourself, I know that if I said, can you identify with a place of restriction? I got some friends on stage with me right here. We were talking earlier. We can identify with restriction in our life. But watch this. What we need to know is that if we're in environments of restriction, we're there for a reason. Now let me read you one more passage of scripture as we get ready to close. You'll be, you'll, you'll, it'll sound familiar, but I think that God will give new light to it. Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 13. Jesus said, enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go by in it because the narrow gate, narrow is the gate and difficult is the way. But we don't quote that part very often. Narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life and there are few who find it. So here's Jesus saying that if, if you're going to get into new expressions of life, if you're going to get into new creation, if you're going to get into new expressions of God's life in your life, then you can be sure that the way to get there is going to be a narrow way. It's going to be a narrow gate. And so watch this. Narrowness and restrictions are indications that we're moving toward new life. I'm going to say that again. Narrowness and restriction. I'm just reading Jesus. He said, narrow is the gate, difficult is the way which leads to life. How many of you know, sometimes you can feel like because I'm in this narrow, restricted place, I'm headed toward death. But Jesus says, counterintuitively, no, if you're going through the narrow way that I'm leading you, you're not headed toward death, you're headed toward life. When a baby transitions from life in the womb to life in the world, the baby must pass through a narrow place called the birth canal. I knew I was going to get some female amens right there. And they know that is a narrow place. In fact, if they could have a conversation with God about biology, they would make that a less narrow place. But you can't get into new life without going through a narrow place place. So watch this. Every time God brings you into a new dimension of life, he first takes you through the narrow gate of restriction. Now, why does God do that? 
And we're going to close with this, and I want to pray with you before we go this morning. Why does God do that? Every time God brings you into a new dimension of life, he takes you through a narrow gate of restriction. So what I'm concerned about in my life is that maybe there's been times where God said, hey, Jay, here's the next for you. And all I saw was a narrow gate and said, that don't look fun to me. So I'm going to go around that gate and go over here. And God said, okay, you just keep on living in the dimension you're living in, living the life you're living. But until you're willing, until you're hungry enough for something new to go through a narrow gate, then you keep living with what you've been living with. And so um, the reason I think, one of the reasons, probably many reasons, that God takes us through narrow gates is, watch this, elimination is the price we pay to enter the new. So when I go through a narrow gate, I can't take everything with me. There's some things that I'm going to have to let go of to get through the narrow gate because those things don't belong in the new dimension of life that Jesus is leading me into. And so my willingness to go through a narrow gate causes me to eliminate things. I want to prophesy to some people and say that God wants you into the new more than you want to be in the new, but he's not going to let you into the new until you let go of whatever it is he's telling you to let go of. And when you let go of that and you go through the narrow gate, you pay the price of elimination. So here's a prayer we can begin praying in this season of our life is God, whatever you don't want me taking into my future, I'm going to get willing because you have to be honest and say, God, I'm not willing to let go of it because if I was willing to let go of it, I'd have already let it go. But the truth of the matter is I'm still holding on to it. So I need your help to let it go. And then when you help me let it go, I'm willing to go through the narrow gate of restriction. Could it be, could it be that God's had us in a place of restriction and all we've been doing is complaining and being frustrated about the inconvenience of the restriction and not paying attention to what God's asking to let us go, that we haven't been thinking with heaven's perspective to realize if God's got me in a narrow place of restriction, he's trying to get me into a new expression of life. And so here's my heart for us this morning, Gate Church. Here's what I want to leave with you, and here's what I want us to pray into is that before we leave a place of restriction, see, I can't tell you, I don't have a prophetic word for you. I don't know when the restrictions are going to come off. I don't know when we're going to, but I don't want to go back to normal if normal means pre-pandemic what things were like. What I want to go back is to the new normal God has for me, which includes me being a new person because I've embraced this process. Are you with me? And so um, before we leave a season of restriction, we should make sure we've surrendered everything to him he wants us to surrender. So I want to invite you to join me in praying some simple prayers this morning. And I want us just to pray together and say, God, whatever it is, Whatever it is, maybe we need to create some altar moments in our life because, you know, in the natural, it looks like we may be, we may be beginning to see on the horizon some natural restrictions that are going to be lifted. And you know what that does to me? That makes me go, man, I want to make sure. Because God's had me in a weird place. I haven't been doing the things that I normally do. And so maybe I'm missing opportunities to create altars 
Maybe I'm missing opportunities to hear God say something to me or to let something go. And so this morning, as we get ready to pray, I want you to get your family around with you right now. And I want us just to pray into this and say, God, as families and as individuals, we're asking you to help us. Lord, we've been in some restriction for months and months now. And maybe we haven't been paying enough attention to the fact that this is a sign from you that you're taking us into something brand new. You know, I feel like God is taking the gate church into something brand new. Nobody expected us to lose our senior pastor suddenly. Nobody expected for us to be in this moment of disruption and restriction. But here's what I believe about God. I believe that if we'll open our eyes, he'll meet us in this moment. And he'll say, hey, that's a narrow gate, but walk through it and I'm going to bring you into new life. So I want to pray with you and your family right now. Just gather them around. And let's just lift our voices right now wherever you are. And you pray this prayer. These guys are going to pray with me over their families right now where they are. And Lord, we're lifting our hearts to you right now. And we're just saying, God, we need your help. Lord, we thank you that you're faithful. But Lord, there's areas in our life. I just feel led by the Spirit of God to say, you know, there's areas of narrowness and restriction in our life, God, where we really haven't had the right attitude. And so, Lord, we just want to say we're sorry for that. Lord, I repent for that right now. And Lord, I recognize that you may have some purposes that I'm not aware of. And so, Lord, we're asking you right now, would you just ask the Lord to open your eyes right now? So, Lord, we're just saying that, that would you open our eyes? You know, there's a story in the Old Testament about a man who was riding a donkey through a narrow place. And the donkey could see what God was doing, but the man who was riding the donkey couldn't. That's in Numbers 21, 22, Balak and, and Balaam. And so, and so here we have this situation where in a narrow place, a donkey can see something that a man can't see. I just feel like that God wants to open our eyes to say, God, whatever you're saying, whatever you're doing, maybe we need courage to let some things go in this restricted place. Lord, I pray right now for every family and every person that you'd give us grace to release what we need to release. Lord, I thank you that you're bringing us into the new. And Lord, we say we're not just looking to the future with some sort of optimism, but Lord, we're looking to the future with our hearts hope set on you. Jesus, you said you'd bring us into new life. So we're putting our trust in you today. You know, if you'd like to put your trust in Jesus for the first time today, there's people in the chat right now, and they'd love to pray with you. You can just say, hey, I need somebody to pray with me. Maybe you have some restrictions in your life or something you want to pray uh, with, with one of our prayer partners about, one of our pastors that's online right now. We would love to pray with you. We'd love to connect with you. But I want to declare to you that in this season of restriction, God's going to birth some miraculous things in your life. And we're believing with you that the best is yet to come. And we're declaring as the Gate Church, the best is yet to come. We love you. We bless you today in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for worshiping with you. Have a great day. Have a great week. And we'll see you next Sunday at the Gate Church. God bless you.